Thank you, worship band. That was amazing. Some of you may be wondering why I'm wearing a suit today. And it's so that I can hide all the pregnancy sympathy weight I've been putting on. Um, at least that's my excuse for the weight gain for now. Um, today, uh, we have a very special chapel, something that I hope you guys are able to take a lot out of. But in keeping with this theme of missions and whatnot, um, just wanted to uh, go over a few things that are happening this week that are uh, keep, kind of keeping, as I said, in theme with this. So we have a multicultural week happening within the dining hall, if you weren't aware. Each day we are serving a food from a different nation represented by one of our missions teams from last year. So keep an eye out for that. That's the lunch special of each week. Don't have the announcement slide up there. Um, as well, the student applications for the missions teams are due this Friday, October 16th. So if you need to find that, it's on the website and you can come and talk to me and I will show that to you. As well, today we um, are fortunate to have a number of visitors with us from missions organizations and they're set up down near the dining hall in E200. So please um, avail yourself of that. Go meet with them. They'll be here till three o'clock approximately. They've brought a lot with them, a lot of information. So I hope you um, check them out. Some of them are the missions organizations that our students have traveled with. Others are just friendly missions organizations that we know and love and we affirm their ministries. So I hope you check them out and have a good time doing that. But today we uh, have the honor of hearing from five different students that represent five different facets of the mission trips that we had this summer or even uh, kind of going back into last year. And actually thinking about it, they actually represent five different continents as well. Um, each of them going to a different place. We've got uh, Ireland, Peru, Toronto, Japan and Zambia all representing different places in the world. So from Ireland we have um, Nupur James, she's going to be speaking, and then followed by Hannah Manone from Peru, and then Jeff Wargo will be speaking about ministry here in Toronto, followed up by Kyle Balkasun from Japan, and then finally Caitlin Moses representing Zambia. So without further ado, Nupur. Dear Tyndale, this summer I, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Ireland. As soon as you hear all, uh, as soon as you hear Ireland, all you can imagine is countryside, green, beautiful fields. Let me tell you, it is exactly what we all can imagine and much more. We were staying at Faith Mission Center, which, which was also the campsite for all the campers, as we were there to help mission, Faith Mission to organize summer camp for three different age groups. It was one of the most amazing and memorable experience of my life, but also a very challenging one. God challenged me in a lot of ways, but the lesson that I learned and brought back home with me is how important it is to walk that extra mile for somebody. It is such a beautiful feeling when you have no idea, but somehow that extra thing you did for someone changed their way of thinking. There was this young girl I met during one of the teen camps. She was very aggressive and rude and always got into trouble. She would be so rude towards all the readers, but you could, you could tell that she was hiding something. I could see that she was going through something deeper internally. One night she was sitting by the play area and she was crying by herself, and a few of the leaders tried talking to her. She responded by yelling and asked them to leave. For a second I thought I will not go there and probably just go to bed. But somehow I decided to go and sit there. Honestly, I did not dare to utter a word because I didn't want her to yell at me. 
After some time, she started crying even more. She, she said, I hate this place, I hate people, I hate my life, I don't want to be here and all sort of things. I had no idea what to say, but I just kept quiet. And before leaving, I said, maybe you could give yourself a chance, maybe you could start fresh. I hugged her and left. Next morning, she was a little grumpy, but was being friendly with other kids. I got a few other chances to talk to her. Everyone could see that she was trying so hard. We all, we all encouraged her. We kept in touch. I continued praying for her. Few weeks back, I got a message from her, and it was a long one. She wrote to me that she had given her life to God, and she's so thankful that, God, uh, that we got a chance to talk that night. She, she had thousands of things going on in her mind, but something changed that night, and it took few weeks to process the whole thing. And I, I was deeply touched. It is one of the most beautiful feelings I have ever experienced. I understood the importance of walking that extra mile for someone and what, the, what is the importance that holds in our Christian world. I would like to remind all of us that at some point in your life, someone must have taken that time to walk extra mile for you. This could, this could have been your family or your friend or maybe just somebody you just knew. They could be part of the reason, uh, that's why, they could be the part of the reason that you are sitting here. Someone invested that extra time to look after you. Now it's your turn. I would challenge Tyndall community. Now this is our turn to take a step and walk that extra mile because we never know one kind gesture through you will impact their walk with God. After all, they say, kindness is contagious. And there is a famous quote, you may be the only Bible someone, some people will ever read. So be the best one in his love, Nupur James. Dear Tyndale, this summer I had the opportunity to visit Peru with three other individuals who I'm sure many of you know, Adam Morton, Elizabeth Krauss, and Andrew Valor. Our main purpose in going was to work alongside two missionaries, David and Christine and their family, as they led their ESL-based ministries. We assisted them in teaching English on Tuesday and Thursday nights as well as we accompanied them to visit the universities and elementary schools to share about our faith in Christ Jesus as well as what life in Canada was like. In Peru, God challenged me to think differently about my anxiety, my tendency to stick to a schedule, as well as how I would see myself serving God in unlikely places. Some of the most memorable serving experiences for me were the ones that had to be translated from English to Spanish. God showed me that language didn't have to be a barrier to ministry. Serving and sharing his love was plenty. He also showed me to think outside of my comfort zone, to let go a bit and let God take control and let him plan my schedule. Often I found we didn't have a set schedule or plans, not knowing the day would change or, our day, or that God would bless us in a way we would be see unexpected. Little things like not knowing what our schedule was for that day would make me feel anxious, but God showed me time and time again that he was the only one who would equip and prepare us for any situation that would come our way. Another thing along the same lines that God challenged me in was my understanding of time and that being the quality of time. 
In Peru, time is not put under such restrictions. Spending time in Peru saw, taught me that time could be seen in terms of quality, not quantity. I'm sorry, quality, quality, yes. People saw each other and talked. They valued the person that they were talking to more than the time restraint or the restriction that they had. I felt, I felt like it challenged me to be more intentional with my relationships back home because people are worth more than time that you lose in a few minutes of conversation. My challenge to you, Tyndale, is to try something new. Get out there, go on missions, challenge yourself to be stretched and remolded. Being uncomfortable is the only way you're going to get comfortable with God reshaping you. If God has taught me one thing on this trip to Peru, it is to be flexible. Allow God to do the planning, because ultimately, he has the best plan. Sincerely, Hannah Manone. Dear Tyndale, my name is Jeff Warga. I'm a fourth year student finishing a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies program here at Tyndale. I've spent my last few years getting involved with various programs that are available to the student body. In my first year, I was able to help with a program that is run through Toronto City Mission called Kids in Community, which is run at the Willow Tree Community by a, friend of, by a couple friends of mine named Jeff Barker and Elliot Kim. Some of you may know them. In this program, I was able to spend time with some of the kids from the community, playing basketball, manhunt, and tag. At first, I felt a bit out of place, but the longer that I stayed, the more the kids started to trust and open up to me, which opened the door to share with them parts of my personal story and walk with Jesus. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Children have a love, a trust, and a teachability that is so easy to lose as we grow older in this world where trials and struggles can be so consuming. In truth, there is a lot that we can learn from children. Jesus himself implies this to us. If children's outreach is an area that you would be interested in getting involved in, I highly recommend it. Keep in mind, if you choose to walk alongside these children, you may learn as much as you teach. There are so many ways that we can be involved as students in local outreach, and that is really what I want to share with you guys here today. Essentially, if you can envision it and you have a heart to pursue it, I believe that in Christ you can accomplish it. In the winter of 2015, a few friends and I were troubled by a report that we heard on the news. We learned that there had been two to three deaths already that winter in the Toronto area from within the homeless community simply because they lacked the proper clothing and blankets. As a result, they froze to death in visibly public areas. Our hearts were broken, and we began to think, why didn't anyone see this and do something about it? But the, as the old saying goes, that when you point your finger at somebody else, there's at least three pointing back at you. So we started to think, how hard would it be to grab a few sleeping bags and hand them out to people who need them on Wednesday nights? So we did just that. We got a few warm clothing items together and some sleeping bags and we hit the streets of downtown Toronto together. What was to follow was amazing. Not only were we able to meet the physical needs of some of the Toronto's homeless and maybe even help them make it through that cold night, but we were even able to hear some of their personal stories and pray with them. As the winter went on, several people joined our cause and by mid-January, 
we had between 10 to 15 regular attendees who were passionate for the work of Christ. Again, we were able to do more than just provide for the physical needs of those people we helped, but we were able to truly build relationships with them. We sat and prayed with them. We heard their stories, their dreams, and their thoughts about life. We had meals with them, and we were even blessed with the honor of leading a couple of them into a relationship with Christ. All of this happened simply because we saw a need, our hearts were broken, and we dreamed up a vision of how we could respond. I believe in the potential of this school, and I believe in the potential of its students. We have approximately 1,400 people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ within the walls of this school. Often it can take just one to transform a city, a block, or even just one life. We have so many great examples in history to point to. James Hudson Taylor, who started a vision which led over 800 missionaries to China. David Wilkerson, who started a program called Teen Challenge, which has helped countless youth to free their lives of addiction and ground them on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And finally, a name that everyone here should know, Lauren Cunningham. Lauren was a pastor's kid from a small town in California who received a vision from God to cover the whole earth with missionaries from around the world. The kicker is that he set this whole vision in motion with just himself and a couple of other people from home. It may sound like a superfluous dream, but it led to the founding of Youth with a Mission missionary program. How becoming responsible for preaching the gospel to tens of thousands, now responsible for preaching the gospel to tens of thousands of people worldwide. I say all this to make the point that the passion and vision of even just a few can truly change so many lives in the kingdom of God. So with that said, I challenge you here today, if God breaks your heart for a cause, if he births a vision in your heart, pursue it, put it in his hands, and just get out there and make things happen. There is no telling where it will lead. Sincerely, Jeff Orga. Dear Tyndale, this summer I had the opportunity to serve with OMF International in northern Japan with Martin and Ruth Jen, a missionary couple who have, the op- who have been operating in Japan for 33 years, planting churches in rural Japan. Our goal for the team was to work alongside the Jens to reestablish their third church plant in Hirosaki Yamori and to build connections with the local community. We did everything from clearing out 60-year-old barns, landscaping their Zen garden, cleaning out their koi fish pond, to making English flashcards for a kids' church that we ran, cleaning hundreds of slippers for guests, or just cooking Western food for the locals. We were either preparing the building to launch as an official church plant, or connecting with the local community from connections made previously by the gents. How God challenged me during this trip was through the harsh reality on what it meant to be the church. There is a reason why Japan is considered such a hard place to spread the gospel, and that is because of the moral values that the gospel presents through Jesus and the New Testament go countercultural to what the Japanese worldview holds in high regard. The idea of shame and sin are heavy within the Japanese worldview, yet the theology of grace and forgiveness is completely unknown to them. The idea of honor, the notion to prove oneself and your own pride goes against the humbling of yourself to recognize servanthood and meekness. As a leader to fall so lowly as to become a servant is a shameful act upon the duty charged to you. 
in a society that holds a conformist mentality rather than our Western individualism means that those who stick out either conform back into society or they are labeled as an outsider. Idolatry and paganism are so rooted in the Japanese culture that when someone decides to follow Christ, you reject everything that represents the Japanese tradition. It could mean your family, your social standing, or your job. To follow Jesus in Japan is to forsake all things and become countercultural. I saw this in Japanese believers and the sacrifice that they were willing to go through to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I saw the church community, so small yet unbelievably strong and rooted in Christ, banded together in a society which rejects them, living for Jesus. However, everything changed for me when I saw the tsunami disaster areas still being rebuilt after four years. We met people that had survived, that had survived the tsunami, who watched their lives become washed away by raging torrents of water, seeing their entire towns ripped out, people, loved ones, gone before their very eyes. We were told stories of those survivors who were trapped in their houses, who would beat their way through wood and metal rooftops trying to escape the flood, climbing from house to house on electrical wires to higher ground. People still homeless, living in shelters and suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. People who are still searching for hope and not receiving any because the workers are so few. Yet what are we, the church, doing? So Tyndale, my challenge to you is this. When will we act? I witnessed the kingdom of God like never before in Japan. When the tsunami hit, missionaries came in and provided the needs of the people. I saw church partnerships between Anglicans, United, Baptists, and Pentecostals. Baptists and Pentecostals who came together who rebuilt, to rebuild towns and church plants. I met Christians who came from Germany, Africa, Britain, Switzerland, Australia, Ireland, America, Canada, Taiwan, China, who heeded the call of the gospel for the single purpose of spreading Jesus' name in Japan. I met a single female missionary who was planting three churches in three different fishing villages because no one else is able to and no one else is called to. An organization was called, was, excuse me, was formed three, four years ago called the Japan's Evangelical Missionary Association, which consists of 40 different agencies and denominations dedicated to spreading the gospel collectively across all Japan. God is moving in Japan like never before. The church has come together in Japan and it is strong. They've put, an op- they've put open-handed theological differences down for the sake of reaching lost people with the powerful saving name of Jesus Christ. Tyndale, the time to act is now. Why do we continually put God in a theological box when the souls of millions rest upon whether the hands and feet of Jesus decide to move from church steeples into the world? The Great Commission was given to us the minute we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as believers and disciple makers. The Holy Spirit is moving and it's time the church began to move with God as well. And you don't need to go across the world to make the change, as Jeff was saying. All Jesus did was walk next door. The time is now, church, because the kingdom of God is here. Sincerely, Team Leader Moose of Tyndale, Team Japan, 2015. Kyle Dear Tyndale, this summer I had the opportunity to return to Zambia for the third time. I worked alongside SIM and Scripture Union 
and was part of the APPLE project, which stands for AIDS Prevention Plus Life Education. I spent most days traveling to different schools teaching life skills, which meant sharing important biblical principles, like family values, decision-making, and communication. My team also addressed the important issues focused around HIV and AIDS awareness. If I'm to be honest, I was uncertain as to why I was there for the third time. I loved everything about Zambia since the first time I went. The language, the culture, food, and the welcoming people all grabbed my attention. But there was something different about the third time. It was familiar, and it was easy. I didn't feel challenged or moved by the work or what I saw in day-to-day -day life. Although these feelings arose, I tried not to let it stop my role as the leader, but only tried harder to connect as a whole and individually as a team. Now that I reflect on my experience in Zambia, I've come to realize how God challenged me. My first trip could be considered the honeymoon stage, as everything was new and exciting. The second time, although no longer new, it was still exciting because I was in a leadership role. And here I was, the third time, Nothing was new, nothing seemed exciting, and I started to become absent. Within the team, I tried to be present, but I found myself retreating when time allowed for it. So why was I there, I thought. Through enduring the feeling of being bored on the team, God helped me to understand my role in the end. Ultimately, the challenge I felt God present to me was the familiarity I had of Zambia from the, pre from the previous experience, which was good. Although it was familiar, I was able to offer comfort and insight to the team when situations arose. I also was able to contribute new methods for teaching from seeing previously what was good and what was bad. I was also able to deepen old relationships that I had made with the Zambian community. I came to realize my experience of Zambia was valuable. Familiarity means to be well known, to be close in friendship and intimate. Although my third trip was not new, it was nothing short of familiar as I felt content and at home in Zambia. So my challenge to you, Tyndale, is to experience something new and allow it to become familiar. I allowed a small desire, only 12,586 kilometers, traveled from Toronto to Zambia to become my very short-term familiar. Sincerely, Caitlin Moses. Well, I hope just one of those letters spoke to you and challenged you in some way as I asked them to challenge Tyndale, the community. Um, you are Tyndale, the community, and I hope that something there spoke to you. And if you want to speak to one of them or myself afterwards and hear more of their stories, please do. Um, again, please check out the missions fair that's down in E200, just outside the dining hall. And I'm just going to conclude with um, Matthew 28 here, and then we're free to go. When Jesus came near, he spoke to them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I have commanded with you. And remember that I am with you until the end of time. Go in peace.